In this episode of The Full Nerd... Nope. <laughs> in this... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in this episode of The Full Nerd, AI boom shortages, two Radeon leaks, and a pesky little Intel bug. Welcome to episode 267 of The Full Nerd. I am your fill-in host for today, Adam Patrick Murray. Uh, once again, Jordan, Gordon couldn't join us, uh, but I do have the co-hostess with the mostest, uh, mm-hmm. Brad Charkis, back uh, from from his new apartment. Hello. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? I'm still working off a laptop in a corner somewhere, so if uh, it gets wobbly, it's just because I'm kicking my legs. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I, I appreciate you joining us, and I think everyone's glad to have you back as well. Uh, but on the line, we also have Elena Yee. Hello, Elena. Hello, everybody. It's me. Welcome, welcome. Uh, and then controlling the verticals and horizontals, we have Willis Lai. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, uh, glad glad to have everybody here. We got some we got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, I don't have any any witty banter to start off with, so uh, I say we just go straight into it. We, we got news. Boom. Let's just cover it. Uh, boom! You mentioned boom. We got an we got a, that was my witty banter. That was my witty banter. There you go. Uh, actually, real quick, Brad, can you double check that your mic is uh, on the correct mic? It, it sounds a little different. Um, just in Zoom. Uh, but w- while you're doing yeah. that, uh, we have um. We have a, a a topic that was written on PC World by Michael Kreider. There's a link to the article in the description about a potential GPU shortage thanks to all this AI stuff. I've heard of this AI yep. stuff, um, but now it, it might impact GPU shortages again. What the hell, Brad? <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, there's... Brad, sorry if you can if you can turn down your your mic a little bit, just a bit. Yeah, came in hot. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Booming, booming, Brad. How am I doing now? There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was on the wrong one. It was on my headset mic. Sorry about that. I don't know how that happened. No problem. Uh, yeah. So it's not an issue right now, but there are plenty of indicators going on that, uh, much like crypto once did. Uh, all these AI firms that are buying up these GPUs to, you know, run chat GPT style things, do all kinds of different things. You know, there's all AI is touching everything these days uh, are so severely backlogged in data center or business GPUs. There's like an incredible, extremely expensive wait list for those that uh, they might start buying up some consumer GPUs uh, to just to be able to continue running business while everything's tight and short. Uh, that's compounded by the recent rumor reports about, like, say, NVIDIA possibly shifting production or even canceling production of uh, RTX 40 stuff for now, moving to laptops and data center chips because, you know, honestly, if they already built a bunch of desktop GPUs and they're not selling that well to us because us gamers, because as we've covered on here, they're really not good deals this time around. It seems like they might be shifting production over to other things, but the, yeah, the biggest deal is AI companies are actually like uh, George Hotz. He's a famous the iPhone jailbreak guy. He runs an AI company now and he posted a tweet showing uh, like 
dozens and dozens and dozens of AMD Radeon GPUs, consumer XFX cards that he purchased for his company because, you know, it's hard getting stuff out of NVIDIA these days. Which, in a little history lesson, this this is kind of what happened with the, the mining boom, right? They they couldn't get enough cards for mining, so they just started gobbling up all the, all the consumer yeah. cards. So, but it's not here yet. This is just maybe it's, what could happen. Yeah, if all those things come true, you know, that could definitely, a lot of people are getting worried about it. Uh, I think it wouldn't be severe, my own personal thoughts on the matter, because crypto and AI are very different. Crypto, for a long time, only needed a six gigabyte card, eventually was bumped up to eight. Uh, But the reason, like, people who do AI and all this machine learning stuff and whatnot love 4090s and above in particular is because of its massive memory on board. And most consumer class GPUs don't have... 16 plus gigabytes of memory on board, 20 plus gigabytes of memory on board. I, I, I almost remember somebody talking about NVIDIA's decision to maybe limit VRAM capacity because of other applications. Who, who, yeah, whoever who said, said that? Me, whoever, I'm, I'm not sure, <laughs> but he seems like a pretty smart fella. Yeah, so somewhere, somewhere around here. Some, so, I feel like somebody said, you know, maybe NVIDIA is making those decisions. So, I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make it a, 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 a feel good decision on the consumer end. Obviously there's a lot of talk no. about wanting more VRAM, but maybe, maybe we see that's a little bit of, of, you know, nvidia kind of building in like hey you know what we don't want we don't want the ai ai people to to hit this too hard so we're going to limit vram capacity i don't know I, you know that's, but yeah that's something i've long suspected <laughs> <laughs> i think that makes a lot more sense than a lot of the planned obsolescence theories that we see out there and whatnot i think it makes more sense to do product segmentation like they're doing especially they're making money and over this right now <laughs> yeah right they, uh, okay so if if this were to come to fruition how how soon do you think do, do, do people need to run out right now and make a gpu decision or is it like hey eh, you know what it's going to be a couple quarters i wouldn't run out right now and necessarily buy one if you weren't already tempted by them uh as far as us pc gamers go these are still not great value cards like point blank so <laughs> the the, the new, newest generation yeah. the newest generation uh I suspect we'll start to see some prices drop because AMD said they're having new enthusiast class GPUs coming out soon. And, you know, the market needs more competition right now. And if those do come out, all the three to $700 price range, I think, would have more competition in it all of a sudden, especially as they try to clear stocks of older GPUs. Because right now, Radeon's just pumping out 6,800s and whatnot still. I would expect all of those to come down a bit. Uh, but I would definitely keep my eyes on trends if you're in the market for a GPU anytime soon. Like if things start to look like they're bouncing back, we're already seeing that in the upper end, like where AI could potentially, AI uses could potentially cannibalize consumer GPUs like 4090s and 4080s. Uh, I think it was hardware and box. It might have been 3D Center, one of those monthly price trackers said they're starting to see prices go back up, up on the upper end. Mm. That could be why. So I would just, you know, keep your head about you, keep your mind around, keep keep your eye on things. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're nearing the bottom of the market for the immediate future for GPU prices, though. Mm. So I, we'll have to see. The, it's Adam. hard to make GPU predictions these days. Well, once again, it's just, uh, I, I feel like... 
for the past handful of years, this this GPU stuff just doesn't seem to be in a good spot. <laughs> like, you know, for from somebody who, who's trying to, to go out and purchase something. I mean, there was somebody in the chat earlier. Uh, do, 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 I'm sorry, I can't find it uh, real quick. But somebody was like, hey, I'm, I'm still on a 1080 Ti. Hall of Famer, potential Hall of Famer card right there. Uh, Should be Hall of Famer. Yeah, I know, right? I feel, <laughs> I feel like I definitely, I mean, there, there are people who upgrade and, and buy for sure, but I do still feel like I see plenty of people who are like, you know what? I'm still on a 10 series. I'm going to, I'm going to wait it out. Yeah. It, yeah. And if you can go for it, like, again, I never recommend people upgrade unless they're trying to take the next step, like going from 1080p gaming to 1440p or whatever. Or if what you have already doesn't work for you anymore that's the time you want to upgrade so if your 1080 ti is still kicking butt on your 1440p monitor hey man save yourself several hundred dollars <laughs> uh elena our deals expert have you have you seen uh any deals in the gpu space or do you feel like it's, it's still to moving pretty slow yeah in my opinion i mean like there was that period where you had the one-offs for uh, six thousand series but i haven't really seen too much pop up lately it seems to have slowed down again I think if you're looking under 250, you got a lot of options in that area. If like if you're looking to make a budget build, uh, sadly these used budget used to be under 200. I think realistically it's 250, possibly even 300 these days. Uh, and I think uh, you can get some really good deals down in that section. Hmm. Well, let's hope let's hope that this shortage does not come to fruition, uh, or I'll have to sit you and and Mike Kreider down and mm-hmm. and have a, a stern talk. Quit, mm-hmm. quit bringing this stuff up. Uh, I cry easily. <laughs> uh, but m- maybe something that could help with the, the shortages is is Radeon launching two new cards? No, maybe not. Uh, but we, <laughs> we, we have a, a pair a pair of uh, articles also by Mike Kreider. Uh, smart guy. I know. He, he writes a lot over on PCWorld.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess, so these are two separate leaks. The, the RX 7700 XT and the RX 7800 XT. The 7700 XT was, was leaked by ASRock, and the 7800 XT was leaked by PowerColor. Number one, how the hell are these things leaking from major <laughs> partners? Uh, uh, number one, uh, the first one from ASRock isn't necessarily from ASRock. Uh, it's the uh, Europe Economic, I forget the exact name, but the European listing where you have to go through and register trademarks and all that kind of jazz, all that kind of stuff. So for the 7700 XT, that's the only place we see the mention of that. It's in the official European listing, so it's you know probably pretty dang accurate. Uh, and it also mentioned the 7800 XT. Uh, the 7800 XT leak by PowerColor is uh, much more of an oopsie. Uh, the like I haven't, I've seen once or twice before, but not in a long time, where PowerColor accidentally published a page with seemingly full specifications behind the 7800 XT. <laughs> as like a, full, <laughs> damn close to full specifications. As, as, as people who work on a website uh, and, and create content, uh, that, that's never a good feeling, right? If When you're like, oh, crap, I, I just, that went live. That's not, not supposed to go live. Oh, and the internet never forgets. <laughs> the internet never forgets. But I'm sure immediately people got screenshots. Um, what kind of ramifications does that have? Uh, I, that's my second question is what, like when, when a partner <laughs> uh, accidentally leaks that information and then the, the, the main, in this case, AMD comes a knock and was like, Hey, why'd you do that? Uh, what, what kind of ramifications can that have? 
Uh, I mean, in worst case scenario, if it was something blatant, I would think severe ones. But I think in general, little leaks happen beforehand often enough that someone definitely got a stern talking to. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that they're like, hey, you should check your processes. How is this even possible? Uh, but I don't think it's any long-term ramifications, although I'm sure uh, there's a lot of very angry people. <laughs> well, on the flip side, could it be that that they're wanting to to sprinkle a little bit of internet fodder there? I don't know if you're a conspiracy theory kind of guy, but, you know. I don't think that would be the case here, because honestly, the leaked specs for the 7800 XT aren't super impressive. And if you want to go like six layers down the conspiracy theory hole, you could say, yeah, you know, they're trying to undercut it, you know, sell it short so that when it comes out and it's way better than this, it'll be a good thing. But that's that's just that's tinfoil hat territory to me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think it was a genuine mistake and a major oopsie. <laughs> so uh, another question I have for you, Brad. Uh, you, you're kind of famous on this show for not wanting to cover leaks. Why Why do we have two <laughs> articles on leaks on, on the website? Because <laughs> these ones are as official as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> we will cover leaks when it's from Power Color <laughs> or when it's from the European Union. <laughs> but when it's Joe's website or this dude on Twitter, like, usually just pass on that and see what happens in real life. <laughs> All right, so so you f- you feel like these sources are credible enough to to publish on PC World? Definitely. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Uh, okay. So you're, you're welcome, European Union. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you kind of alluded to a little bit. So now that we have this information and it looks like it's from credible sources, w- what are your takes on these these GPUs specifically and where they fall in not only in AMD's lineup? because this kind of fills in a little gap that they have, but also just in the in the overall look of things. I think it, when these come out, I would think they would clearly probably target the 4070 and the 4060 Ti, 4060, somewhere in that range. Uh, the one thing missing from the 7800 XT leak is price, which is going to make a big difference, obviously. Uh, I guess my greatest meta takeaway, assuming these are true, is that AMD really shot itself in the foot, calling the 7900 XT the 7900 XT. I got into this back when that launched, all the way back in November, I think, uh, December. I forget. It was around Christmas, and I had to work hard, and I was sad about it. (laughs) Uh, But I think the 7900 XT always should have been the 7800 XT and priced accordingly. I think that they... AMD probably saw what the craziness that NVIDIA was doing with its GPU prices and priced accordingly. Obviously, tried to get more money. You know, their public business, good for them. Uh, but I always thought the 7900 XT should have been called the 7800 XT. And this leak, if it's true, and again, it seems very credible, just kind of drives that home for me. Because if you look at the breakdown that Power Color said, it says that... Uh, the 7800 XT Red Devil has 300, uh, 3,840 stream processors, processors, 60 compute units, uh, 16 GB of RAM. And uh, that puts it on par with the 6800 in terms of stream processors and compute units, not the 6800 XT. So if this winds up being true and the generation-on-generation generation performance scaling is similar to what we saw with the 7900 series, 
there's a good chance this falls between the 6800 and 6800 XT. So, in my head, this should have probably been more of a 6800 follow-up, rather, and the 7900 XT should have been this. The 7900 XT should have been a 6800 XT to make this lineup make sense gen over gen. But we don't know if this is true yet. We haven't tested anything. That just immediately jumped out at me reading these specs. Like, this should have probably been a 6800 or 7800 non-XT. Which you you kind of said that AMD is taking that, that playbook from, from NVIDIA. It's weird because I always feel like the AMD, and there was a lot of discussion around before this came out is like oh <clears throat> you know a- amd can be on par but then really undercut nvidia like why does it seem like they're not wanting to do that this generation uh, it's just coming out because you know they could come out and be like hey you know what we, we're we, we'll go to toe to toe but you know look look how much uh cheaper we are compared to to the counterparts yeah. it's tricky uh one being on this process node things are a lot more expensive to make uh don't know the final cost of all that, but it's clear that all the companies are trying to drive prices up the possible exception of Intel. Uh, I think we've talked about this before on the show too, but in wonkier things, I think AMD is in kind of a weird spot because they only have so much weight, so many wafers they can buy from TSMC and they have to hit the APUs for the consoles. That's like their contract. They have to. They make much higher margins on CPUs because they're much smaller and get charged more. So they get much higher margin on that. And the same thing with Epic, especially. So the Radeon wafers, I would think, none of this is necessarily definitely true, but just looking at it, this is what I think uh, is the last slice of the pie to get any. And so they've tried to beat NVIDIA on price before the Radeon 6000 series did a great job of going toe for toe in performance and still didn't sell very well. So I think that since it's like the last segment of wafer, the last slice of the pie, they're just trying to sell that last slice for as much money as they can. Because if they can't pump enough volume out to be able to lower price as well, you might as well make your money. That's the deep, complex thing i just said (laughs) that's kind of my gut feeling and all that (laughs) i would also tack in in my less enlightened view the current economic such like environment probably also is influencing it as well right because like if everyone's cutting uh costs like everybody in the tech industry is looking to cut costs i think it's a lot harder to justify excuse me justify to the people managing the spreadsheets that you want to undercut your competition and lower how much revenue is coming in potentially just for the sake of getting more market share. I think that's a lot harder to sell at that point. Yeah, and they've tried it several times in the past. Hey, we're way more affordable. Uh, and they didn't get notable, you know, gains in percentage. So, hmm. I don't know. We'll have to see, though. We'll have to see if these cards wind up being good. We'll have to see what they wind up being priced. I mean, if this thing comes out 500 bucks, that'd probably be pretty dang good compared to, uh, what's 500 bucks? The 16 gigabyte 4060 Ti. <laughs> 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 laughing so you don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So once again, just more bad GPU news. This is not, it's not fun. <laughs> 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 
Why did y'all make me come back on the show? I know, yeah. Brad, you need to come back and be the bearer of bad news, I guess. Jeez, uh, wow. Okay, great. Um, all right, well, I guess let's continue the, the, the bummer uh, train. Uh, this time switching over to Intel. Uh, recently, there was a, a bug found or a flaw in Intel CPU design that... Uh, that has there's two parts of it there's there's the actual flaw that's found and then the per, per, the fix uh his uh is diminishing performance uh this was originally covered by our our uh our sister site PCVelt uh, which we translated for for our site there's a link in the description and then we're Mark, international yeah we're international and then uh Mark Hawkman uh did a little follow up piece Brad just you know what more bad news go for it i'm going to let you <laughs> More bad news. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what so, the hell is this? <laughs> uh, so this bug is called Downfall. It was discovered by a Google security research, researcher named Daniel Moghimi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he actually found it a year ago, but gave Intel plenty of time to prepare microcode patches because this is actually a pretty significant flaw. I'm not going to get into the details too much because while I understand them, I am definitely not a security expert and don't want to mess that up. Go check out the downfall site or our coverage of it if you want to get into the severe nitty-gritty of it. But uh, basically, it uh, lets the attackers peek uh, at what's going on based off of the gather instructions that are used. It affects all Intel processors, Xeons, and core processors alike. For all of them, from the 6th Gen Skylake chips all the way through the 11th Gen Tiger Lake chips. So if you have a 12th Gen or a 13th Gen, you're fine. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adam's like, oh. yeah. <laughs> but but it's pretty nasty. It's pretty nasty. Uh, fortunately, they can't as of, as of right now. The attack can't be carried out over the internet. So if you're just serving to a bad web page, you can't be affected by it. Uh, but if you install malware. It can use this and or accidentally install malware. Obviously, it can use this and it can be used to steal all kinds of stuff. Uh, it can steal passwords, encryption keys, private data such as banking details, personal emails and messages. Uh, if it's in a cloud computer that's affected and not patched, uh, anyone who's using that same server, you know, would be vulnerable to that because it's all on the same hardware. So it's pretty nasty. Uh the thing is, the fix for it, uh, which you would get from your motherboard vendor or your laptop vendor. Uh, Intel doesn't put these out directly. You get them from whoever Intel is selling their parts to. In, in, Intel supplies uh, the, the fixes and then yes. they leave it up to the yeah. partners to, to push yep. it up. It's just like the Agisa updates uh, that AMD mm -hmm. pushes out. They push those out to MSI and ASUS and everything, and then you get the updates to them, not through AMD. Uh but depending on the workloads that you're doing, it can have significant performance degradations. Uh, let's see. Uh, I forget the the exact ones, but ones that are like machine learning, uh, ray tracing, some server functions uh, can be pretty bad, up to 50% in some cases, which that's real bad. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that is, and especially, I mean, so when I looked at the article, I, I saw video editing software yep. as as, yep. as one of those potential things that can be severely impacted. That's that's wild. Why? 
video editing. I, I guess, <laughs> I mean, uh, as far as maybe you can explain it, why would this specific fix limit performance in these exact applications? Uh, because they're ones that rely heavily on those gather instructions, which I don't know enough about to get too deep into the weeds about okay. what that is specifically used for. But those gather instructions are especially used in high intensive tasks like that. Uh, again, the downfall site, Intel's put out its own security bulletins on this. If you read that kind of stuff, it can get way more into the technical details if mm. you're into that. But the idea is most consumer apps won't be too impacted because most consumer apps don't rely on those instructions so much. Video editing, image editing do. If you're running AI simulations and stuff like that, those things do. I, I'm not sure if it would affect like if you're doing stable diffusion or something like that, but I would think so. Uh, we're still waiting for folks to put out tests for more of this stuff. But uh, so a lot of people I think are blowing it off more than they should because that's a big performance hit number off the top. Uh, and it, not everybody runs AI stuff or video editing. Uh, so they're like, hey, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to download these patches. Intel does give you an option, even after you download it, to turn it off. If for whatever reason, things that you do every day suddenly goes 50% slower, you can turn it off. You can turn it back on. You can do It's, it's flippable. But the researcher who found this says that uh, don't don't screw around. Do install these patches because let me see if I can uh, find exactly what he said. Nope, I'm not reading all that. Uh, <laughs> but he said basically. Uh, <laughs> but he basically said yes, that's true. Uh, the most affected performance applications are specialized ones, but all kinds of everyday tasks do tap into that gather thing in some way. So you can be vulnerable to this, even if you're not using those specialized tasks that get the big performance hit. Vulnerable. So if you have these, go ahead. Sorry, just to clarify, you mean vulnerable to the uh, issue, not vulnerable to the performance hit, right? Correct. That's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. So if you do have it available, I would highly recommend installing that update, getting yourself safe and secure, and uh, only then start, you know, playing your games, using the stuff that you use every day. And if you notice a big hit, then you can opt to turn it off when you're doing that stuff. But this is severe enough that it was held, kept under wraps for a year for them to make up patches and then was a keynote you know, flagship address address at DEF CON. So it's it's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's weird. We were talking about this before the show. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about this. Like, uh, I, uh, at least on the full nerd, I remember when the Spectre Meltdown stuff happened, I, I, we, we dedicated multiple episodes, I'm not dedicated, but we had multiple segments on multiple episodes talking about, you know, all, all of that fiasco stuff going on. Why do you think people aren't really covering this? It might be security fatigue. It might be the risk of the performance hit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but take it seriously. Anything that's being taken this seriously by Intel and DEF CON and everybody else, like, take it seriously. <laughs> 
apply the fix. You can turn it off if you need to. Uh, the important, another important thing to remember, because I know a lot of enthusiasts like us don't use antivirus. I think that's silly in today's age. Uh, you can run antivirus, even free Windows Defender. It'll give you some level of protection beyond and above what you do because things are tricky out there. The performance impact of antivirus on your computer is very minimal these days, so there's no longer the big concern of, hey, everything's running 25% slower because I'm running, you know, the 1990s version of McAfee or whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the way that you would get infected by this in real life is if you accidentally install malware through drive-by ad on a site or you get fished or anything like that. And then once that's installed, that's how you'd become vulnerable to this. So... It's not something we talk about too often here on The Full Nerd, but I'm a firm believer in having security antivirus active and running on your computer, even if you think you know what you're doing. I mean, I think I know what I'm doing, and I still run antivirus because it can protect you against things like this. Yeah, you know what? I, uh, God, this this makes me want to reach out to my whitehead buddy. We, we've had we've had him on the show before. It's been a couple years uh, <laughs> to, to talk about this kind of stuff because that's the other thing, and we, we even talked about in that episode, like... I feel like it's maybe a generational thing. It's also different depending how versed you are in in the in how 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 deep you want to get in into into the nitty gritty of a computer and how it operates. But I feel like a lot of us have very good practices, safe practices when we get on the internet and do things like that. I mean, Elena, you have a, I mean, I guess a, a pie hole is is kind of a different thing. But uh, you know, I know you take your security very seriously. Uh, with with hardware is that why you're staying on the like uh, older Intel systems, like like a Haswell? <laughs> you saw the I, I, I put I, yeah. in the chat. <laughs> yeah. So this, there was a, I was laughing in the background because a couple of our uh, people in our chat commented. Uh, this is I think it was Boris Zero said. This is why I'm staying safe on Haswell. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you're probably just feeling right, and then and then you got you got the the you know I got Sandy Bridge, bro. I go even farther. Oh, back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, get, I guess you're way safe. You're like I mean I have both. They're not but... even targeting me. <laughs> and then and then me over here, I'm like, oh yeah, but always buy the latest and greatest new thing i'm i guess i'm safe as well <laughs> you're just staying ahead of it because they haven't yet exploited it right so you just got to stay one step ahead of them yeah, yeah, by yeah, always yeah. upgrading the, immediately oh man, yeah you just you keep buying the newest thing and it's weird the newest thing's always the most safest thing I just keep buying the newest <laughs> thing uh not not recommending that uh so although but. someone in chat did point out a, a potential issue which is um I haven't had a chance to verify this yet myself, but they mentioned that they think that, uh, oh, here, here it was, uh, Baz said in the YouTube chat, I hope Asus brings back its old product pages so that we can get a BIOS update. Skylake and KP Lake motherboard pages went offline years ago. I haven't been able to verify yet because it's just hmm. dropped in our chat. But if that's the case, that that's, does make it a lot more difficult to get the mitigations yeah, and Although, if you have a 6th gen one, that's officially out of support. So yeah. there's no guarantee. I would hope with something this severe, they would still put out these patches. But there's no guarantee if you have one of those older systems that it will get patched. Because I remember I, that was part of the Spectre Meltdown stuff is that, that they initially had said, okay, this is what we're going to patch. And then went back and was like, okay, you know what? We're going to go even further back because yeah. it's such a big deal. Yeah. I I can't remember. What, did it ever get to a point where they ended up actually having Microsoft push them too? Because... I can't remember exactly anymore. It's been a while. Yeah, I but I was remember. wondering if they ever got to that scale where they're just like, you know, it's not reaching enough people. And they talk to Microsoft to end up pushing that stuff. 
Yeah, well, this is wild. This is definitely... You should take this series, but once again, you should also take just security in general series, you know, best practices yep. and stuff like that. Do, do we have like a how to keep yourself safe on the internet article? I yeah. uh, I actually was just thinking of pitches in the background mm-hmm. to send to my mm-hmm. boss who may be also part of this conversation. I, 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 and <laughs> I actually, I have one I update every now and again when big things come out that is probably too simple for the full nerd crowd, but it's five simple steps you could take to supercharge your security. You know, very internet headline. But it's five easy, basic things that you can do that'll take you 10 minutes to set up and you'd be 100% safer if you're not doing those things. Things like using 2FA, you know, have an antivirus up, uh, password managers, stuff like that. Mm. So a pro tip that doesn't get talked about much anymore, but you used to get talked about a lunch is uh, a lunch. What? I guess lunch. Somebody said lunch. (laughs) 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 Used to get talked about a lot. Is the default first profile when you install Windows is always an admin profile. And a lot of malware needs admin rights to be able to install. That's what you need to do with programs. So a safe way if you don't install a ton of software on your computer is to actually have your day-to-day one be a non-admin profile. Hmm. So that's a little something extra you could do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... So the other part of me, the the video production person part of me was like, man, if I was on, I mean, Willis, you just came off a 10th gen system. Uh, how how comfortable do you feel in your own internet perusing uh, practices that, that you'd be like, ah, you know what, is it worth it to take the hit? Should I update? Should I just make sure that I'm safe with my own practices? <laughs> well, kind of like you, probably, you know, the latest and greatest would probably be, you know, <laughs> oh, a God. safer Uh-oh. bet. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't take that that risk. You you would take the performance hit, especially in video editing, just to keep yourself safe. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, yeah, just 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 to be safe on the safer side. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, because there, there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, you know what? If as long as I'm safe, I I, I can get around the performance hit. But yeah, oh, that's hard. I, I mean, I, once again, I think for most people, you want to keep yourself as safe as possible. But but man, that's I'm, a, I'm hoping... that's a big hit. I'm hoping that one of the video, like streaming and video creation focused technical sites actually gets around to testing all this and publishing it soon, uh, because that would be tremendously useful information for the world to have. How does this actually affect this? Uh, but that's not out yet. And that kind of stuff can take time. So I understand why it's not out yet. And you would have to use an affected system, which I'm sure you don't have benchmarks for anymore because these are older things. So it would be the full testing setup, but hopefully someone somewhere publishes that soon. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a funny <laughs> uh, chat that just came in from uh, S7437. Uh, said, so if you're on 11th gen, the update slows it down to the speed of a 4th gen, which it isn't affected at all. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Just proven out everybody who's held on to their old ass Intel chips. Uh, I want to issue a slight correction in real time. Please. It does look like you can find uh, product pages for older ACS motherboards. So it just might be. Some of these websites are just kind of Byzantine and difficult to navigate. So it just may be easier to run a search for the name of your motherboard if you're having trouble for it, trouble finding it rather. And then, uh, if not, maybe hitting up Reddit to see what other people have been able to find. Yeah, yeah. And w- once again, uh, now I'm thinking about it. I, we should schedule uh, another episode with uh, with my security friend to. Those go are over tremendously again. informative. 
I was actually just uh, running a couple of articles last week about Windows 11 security in general. And I'm like, I'm embedding these two videos right in here. This is helpful <laughs> information for people who uh, want to yeah. know about this stuff. I love Mike. Really talking about. And any excuse to to chat with Mike. I'm sure he was at DEF CON. He's, he's usually somebody who frequents DEF CON. He always, he always tries to get me out, but I always forget when it happens and got other trade shows to attend and all that, that sort of stuff. But yeah, so definitely read up on it. Once again, we have a couple articles over on PC world. There's, there's linked in the description, in the description, but uh, check your motherboard manufacturer, check uh, windows update, whatever you need to, to hopefully, hopefully protect yourself against this stuff. And then I guess on the other end of it is, is it, is this just going to keep happening? Are people just going to continue to find <laughs> exploits in CPU? code? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is just where we live now. That's part of the reason I think that Microsoft is moving to all these new security measures being required for Windows 11 because it is everything runs on technology these days. Everything has an operating system. Everything has a chip. Uh, so as before, like it was just, you know, when I was a kid being a script kitty, it was just doing it for fun. But now there's criminal organizations and nations that are looking for this kind of stuff. So... <laughs> Yeah. Stay safe also, out there, y'all. Also, the technology is just getting more complicated as time goes on, right? And the more complicated any system is, the easier it is to find a place to exploit in it because you're not always able to cross every T, dot, every I exactly. Sometimes something just gets kind of overlooked and someone else goes, ooh, look what I discovered. Hmm. Look what I discovered. Uh, yeah. And it's worth mentioning, actually, before we move on, that there's no evidence of this being in the wild yet. He was presenting this. He did so responsibly. Daniel Mug hid me. He gave until the year to get these microcode patches and release those before he presented this. But the thing is, now that it is out in the open and in the wild, now is when people know how this works. And now is mm -hmm. when you've got to have to start looking out for malware with this stuff. So even if you don't see any reports of exploits of that yet, whenever something like this happens, that means they're coming. Great. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Jeez, fair of bad news. <laughs> On that cheerful note. Yeah. Not not, <laughs> not not your fault. Not your fault. Um. Okay. Well, let's switch over to uh to to questions. If you have a question, uh, get them now in the 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 chat and at PC World. That's kind of the easiest way for for Willis and I to to see them and, and flag them to bring them up. If you are watching or listening later, there's a link to this uh, in the description to our Discord channel, which has a, uh, a full nerd questions uh, spot to put questions in that hopefully we'll get onto the the show at the appropriate time. Uh, I'm going to start off with one that's uh, just kind of a little thing to talk about. We can breeze by this one real quick. Uh, Ivan Ramazanov, Ramazanov, uh, over on mm -hmm. Discord said, what's your take on the drama around LTT? Uh, never heard of it. Anybody hear about this? Okay, we What's can that on your desk, Adam? Uh, oh, no. Uh, what, is this? that like UDP? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's an internet protocol. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I put this LTT screwdriver here for the, uh, the friends of the show who uh, <laughs> probably noticed it. But uh, anyway, yeah, if, if you've been living under a rock uh, or something like that, uh, uh, line, uh, I'm sorry, Gamers Nexus, Steve over at Gamers Nexus, um, had released an, a video. Uh, definitely go watch it over on the channel. Um, and ca call, calling into question a lot of practices that LTT and, and Linus and his crew over there uh, 
uh, were doing on on their various channels. Um, I'm not going to recount all of the all the things in there. Uh, Steve does a great job of kind of getting into the the nitty-gritty details uh, of that over there. But uh, essentially, he's he's calling into the question uh, ethical concerns uh, around numbers and benchmarking and reporting and uh, work, working with companies and there, there's a lot to dig into there. Once again, not to like we're we're not going to go into the nitty gritty detail of of all that kind of stuff. That's definitely covered by Steve, uh, and even Linus has has issued a uh, a response that that you can kind of. Steve actually made a, a rebuttal to that already <laughs> this morning. So lots to dig in here. Um, so there, I, I say there, there's two parts of it. There's the drama part, which obviously uh, uh, Ivan <laughs> talked about, and and there was a lot of chatter on our Discord. I mean, people have been chatting about it in our live chat here. Um, that's that's one part of it, and I mean, I, I think I, I speak for all of us. We're, we're not the most like drama filled people over here anyway, so like <laughs> that's not the most exciting thing for me. But I think it is uh, a good way to have to start having discussions. I actually did reach out to Steve uh, after the video was published and. You know, uh, stating like, "Hey, listen, I, I actually appreciate you. Uh, I think we have we have different styles of how we would a- approach these things, but I appreciate the fact that that you're uh, wanting to start these discussions because if if you haven't seen before on our channel, we've had multiple videos about benchmarking and ethics and and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't want to speak for Gordon, but I'll definitely speak for myself. I love to talk about that stuff. I love to to have discussions around it and." Whatever whatever the goal was for Steve, whatever the goal is for Linus in, in doing the things that they do, I at least see the goal uh, as being, hey, you know what, we need to start having more of these discussions and kind of talking about benchmarking, ethics, uh, all these kind of concerns. So so there, there's the stuff around Gamers Nexus and, and Linus, but then there's also the stuff that, that we do. Uh, and so, I mean, if, if anything, we can add the discussion from from how we we view things so uh yeah i don't know how much we want to go into the specifics of the the linus and steve stuff brad did you have any 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 comments from from watching it uh yeah i don't want to wade too far into it i value and respect both sides here uh i do think steve made a very effective point making that video i think that Linus's reaction note was wildly off tone and not the way I would have handled it as someone else who manages a business in the same space. And it's roughly between the sizes of those two channels. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, let me stop you there. Uh, and and you're, you're talking about the, the overall PC world, overall business, PC not, world. Not, not just not, our not YouTube, YouTube, YouTube yeah. is just a, a little part of it, but how, so how yeah. would you handle it? You're, you're, you are kind of the point person for, for PC yeah. World, uh, you're not the editor in chief. We we have a John Phillips uh, who's yeah. the editor in chief, but you are the. Oh my! I always forget yeah. your title. Managing editor, executive, no, executive editor, executive editor. Jesus. editor. Sorry, I, I handle the day to day stuff and strategic stuff. Uh, I just really was off put by Linus's note. I can get he was taken broadsided by this because he wasn't reached out to for comment, which I can see both sides of that argument. Uh, I don't think Steve necessarily had an obligation to reach out and ask for comment, considering it's just compiling public stuff. But 
I might have pulled the sneaky reporter. Hey, we're publishing this video in three hours. Do you want to send us a statement? We can add to it kind of a deal <laughs> just to get it on the record <laughs> without giving them time to change anything before it gets posted. Which which I will say real quick. Uh, I, I talked about this in Discord a little bit. If there's one of the great things that I love about working with Gordon is that I, I didn't go to journalism school. So I, I get to kind of learn from him and, and bring it in from not only him, but all, all you find folks as well. Uh, understanding the practices and ethics and stuff around that. One thing that, that has yet to really sink in uh, is, is for me, and then I need to continue with, is that Gordon, no matter what it is, always just immediately, instinctively just reaches out for comment. Like he, he like no matter what, the the way I hear it as, as him, how he defines journalistic in- integrity, uh, it, or one, one of the slices is that you're, you're reporting both sides. You're you're mm-hmm. just stating the facts from both sides. You're not necessarily getting into it uh, with with your own personal uh, opinion. And Gordon does that by reaching out to comment just immediately, no matter what it is. E- e- you know, just just have that comment that other side. And and sometimes there's a no no comment, and sometimes they they or sometimes they don't even get back to you. So you you state that as well. But that, that is something that that I have learned through Gordon that I actually do wish Steve would have done personally. Uh, is to reach out because I think at the end of the day, these discussions need to happen. And I, I think it would be stronger if they both work together to try to figure that stuff out. Once again, that's that's the way I handle stuff. But, you know, Steve, I can Steve can do what he he does. But sorry, that's a hundred percent true and valid. <laughs> like, I can also see the point Steve's making where. You know, we're just compiling all this public stuff and putting it out. For if sure. I was going to do a negative piece, I probably would have asked for comment with a very short lead time. Uh, I don't think Steve did anything wrong here. Linus is making it in his note seem like he's disappointed in that. Personally, as another journalist, I can see both sides. Uh, but overall, Linus's note was just very off-putting to me. Uh, and I love Linus. I'm still subscribed to him. I didn't unsubscribe to him because of any of this. Uh, and it makes, it's very defensive. It's, it's trying to make it sound like they're the victims here. There are no victims here, to be clear. In my opinion, this is not a victimhood situation. But if I was in his shoes, I would have probably waited a day and just said, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'll get back to you guys tomorrow. Put that out yesterday. And then personally, I would have put out a more positive note owning and accepting all of this stuff. Like, I'd be like, all right. Yeah, you know, we have been growing rapidly. Thank you, Steve, for pointing this out. We are hoping to make our hardware labs be best in class in the world. And everything that, Steve, you pointed out here, yes, I can give you an excuse, a business justification for the reason it happened, how it happened. But if we're building a world-class facility, that's not how it can be. So we're going to do X, Y, and Z, really firm up our processes. None of this should ever happen. You know, we're sorry that happened to Billet Labs. To me, that's the most egregious point, that those couple of things, I think, to most everybody. Uh, we're going to make you right in full. Once you have the prototype done, if they want, we'll re-review it. We'll do something like that. You know, this also leads me to reflect on how hard we're pushing the staff because we have multiple staff members on here saying, I wish I had more time to spend on videos or be able to reflect and go back and see what went right and what went wrong. Which we've all, all said, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> too, oh, <so>. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to look at that, too. Uh, you know, 
I don't, if I was in Linus' shoes, I would say I don't think it's as necessarily as egregious as this 45-minute film makes it sound because the film, how old am I? Video. Uh, <laughs> it was a really good video. I, I, wasn't, like I wasn't going <laughs> to. It's a short uh, film. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is. So. You know, I don't agree. I think there are some nitpicky bits in there. I think there are plenty of those nitpicky bits are not necessarily valid to Linus's current audience, but they are GNs. So I understand where I made the points. But if I was Linus, I would say, you know, even though we disagree on scope and severity, I thank you for all of this. And we hear what everybody is saying. We're going to take a look at everything. And in the next month or two, we'll put out a statement and let you guys know what we're changing so that this kind of stuff doesn't happen again. Uh, that's probably the way I probably would have done it. Because this, especially with, if you have the time to watch uh, Gamers Nexus's follow-up video that went live today, the hardware news video, he responds to Linus's response. And the things around Billet Labs specifically seems awfully sketchy and defensive. Not sketchy, like, again, I'm not unsubscribing from LTT. But I think there were definite breakdown in processes and methodology methodologies. Dang, that's a hard word. <laughs> need to study some film. Uh, that led to this point to make this video happen. Uh, and I would treat this as an opportunity to level up and own them and hopefully turn this weakness into a strength. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the... I mean, you got it wrong. I mean, in the end, like, the, the cyberpunk one, like, this is 300% better. People have, like, someone in the process should have to know to flag, hey, these are clearly wildly wrong. And I think that's one of the processes they can improve on. <laughs> yeah, and another thing to point out here, uh, Hardware Unboxed uh, just launched their their new Hardware Unboxed podcast. Um, and the first episode was pretty much all, all about this. I, I haven't had a chance to, to listen to it, but they featured a little snippet on their main channel. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Uh, but that is one of the things they talked about in there is, is processes, which... I mean, we can talk on on, on that end uh, a little bit, at least for our processes, because I, I feel like that is important. And that is something, especially when you, the benefit of being a larger organization like us, like like Linus, like Steve, even over at Hardware Unbox, they issued some examples of, hey, you know what, this is this is how we get more eyeballs on something, right? I know, as an example for us, right? Uh, Gordon, yes, goes over when he does a CPU review, he will go over uh, and start setting up his system. Uh, he does things that help him give a sanity check. So he'll rerun tests if something doesn't doesn't look right. Uh, maybe he'll he'll uh, reach out to the actual hardware vendor to be like, hey, do you have sanity check numbers? Because most of the reviewers guides come with some sort of sanity check numbers. So that's another way to do it. Um, when he has his numbers and, and he feels like like things are are where they they should be based off of what he's seen uh we'll we'll kind of sit down me and him uh and and i think sometimes you two can get involved as well where we'll we'll look at the charts look at the numbers to start formulating like the the understanding of of what these numbers are showing us before we ever start to film you know and and even if it's just a, a quick heads up where i'm just like hey you know what uh, gordon you either you have a typo on this chart i mean Mistakes happen definitely across mm -hmm. the board. Little things can happen like that. But or also I'm like, 
are you sure you, you got that number right? And sometimes, yeah, maybe he put it in, in, in the chart wrong. Or sometimes he's like, oh, crap, yeah, you know what, I, I need to, to rerun this test. And sometimes, I mean, on a lot of the videos, he'll just be like, hey, you know what, I, I'm not sure why I got this number, but uh, I'm getting this number and I'm just reporting on it. This is, you know, I, I have no idea. And then to tell you the truth, that's also another reason, one of the reasons why we do the videos for the CPU reviews the way we do, where I'm sitting down and talking with Gordon, because a lot of times I'm asking him questions in real time or kind of saying, hey, what are why are you seeing this in those numbers? And it becomes a discussion rather than just kind of him regurgitating the numbers and giving his take. So that at least for us, well, and then when the, the, the numbers go over to the the website side, you guys will start, you know, making the articles around it and stuff like that. So I, I feel like at least in, in our spot, we have that ability to have those same kind of checks and balances in place, which is surprising that Linus would not have that as well. Or, or should have that in place where it's like, hey, you've got a lot of people working on this and I know it is a lot of work, but yeah, to have some of these, have some of these things come through is just like, okay, so something's not working here and needs to be addressed. <laughs> Specifically talking about like the, the, the numbers that are, that are mistaken. Well, so. well, I think this is, I mean, looking at this from a, like a bigger picture point of view, right? Like there's, there's, there's a topic of uh, the errors, right? Which is a point that Steve brought up. And this process question is part of that, yep. right? And some people are kind of looking at it from an angle of like, is it an experience issue? Uh, is it um, a management issue? That kind of stuff. But I think for me, that's a little immaterial because what it boils down to is whether or not you are going into the process expecting yourself to make mistakes, right? Because we're human. That's kind of the nature of what happens, no matter what your industry is, no matter what you're doing, mistakes are always possible and probably always going to happen to some degree. Like you can catch them before they take effect, but you're probably going to be making mistakes regardless of what you're doing. Even when you're super experienced, yeah. it just, it just happens, right? Mistakes happen all the so, time. <laughs> so the question to me is more of like, how are you, how are you setting up your system to address those and handle them as gracefully as possible or to cut them off at the knees before they can, you know, really, you know, take off running. So when you're talking about things like numbers, putting things in context, us having an inherent system within our group of checks and balances, so to speak, because, you know, Gordon sharing his CPU data with me because I'm writing up the the version of uh, that information for the website, which is a slightly different angle than for YouTube. So that means that I actually have to understand his perspective, right? I mean, it's not just him always handing off the numbers to me and saying, you know, go have fun with it. A lot of times I'm actually having a conversation with him where I'm saying something like, you know, I see these numbers are here. There's this difference. I'm going to look at it this way. Like, how are you seeing that? And then we kind of bounce those, you know, thoughts off of each other. I come away with it with better understanding. It can also possibly inform how Gordon decides to um, explain his viewpoint when it's his turn to talk about it on YouTube. So that's really helpful. So if your process isn't allowing for those things, right? And from from the snippets we've seen from behind the scenes that where people are saying, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. Usually in an environment like that, you don't have the time to have these conversations with your coworkers, which is really unfortunate. And I, I don't know what's actually happening. I, I want to say very clearly, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes there. This is just me riffing because off of what I think could be happening based on the little information that we have gotten. 
But if you don't have time to have these conversations, if you feel like you're always pressed for time, the other thing too is our brains are different when you're in a stressful environment. Our brains are entirely different. Like people think when they're calm, like, oh, I would never do that. Or I would always think of this. You know, like when you get into a super stressful environment, your half of your brain just kind of shuts down. Like some intellectual processes just go out the window. So that means that you're not thinking to ask these questions. You're not thinking about like, uh, you you might forget to check something like a piece of plastic somewhere. And we all make these mistakes. Sometimes most of us are just fortunate enough to catch them before it affects anything too badly, or we have enough experience to leave room in the schedule to be like, oh, I messed that up. Okay, good thing I have another hour to rerun that test because now I can basically cover my own butt and no one has to know that that happened, right? But if you're, if you don't have the time, if you're that stressed, you're going to start missing these little things that end up affecting the overall final quote unquote product of your review, like your review as a product, how you come across, what you say, what you do. So I know there's a lot of discussion about the interpersonal side of it, where it's like, oh, like someone just is coming at it hard from this angle. Someone is going to come at it from this angle. And I, I think those are all valid conversations to have too, because emotion or human emotions are very much a part of who we are, what we do, how we come to things, what drives us. You know, like why one person may be very focused on process and getting things right. And one person's more about, you know, uh, being a little more relaxed and be more approachable about how they do things. Like those are all great conversations. But when you look at, to me, when you look at the heart of it, it, it's just a question of like, how are you approaching this? And for us as journalists and reviewers, there's a certain convention of how we do things. And these are really good conversations for us to have about like, what's an ideal process, Right. What's the best way to approach this? Uh, being maybe even more transparent about why we do it the way we do. So that way people who, because everybody these days are going to like four to 10 different outlets because that's what you do now when you decide on a purchase or just understanding uh, what a product's about, right? So it can be really confusing for somebody. Uh, I think if you get these different angles and approaches, but not understanding the context for why, and so that maybe that's maybe a growth area growth for us as an industry tech journalism of being better about saying like, here's our outlet. Here's why we do it this way. Here's why that's important to us, as opposed to it being a little unspoken, where it's just like people who naturally gravitate to that style, just kind of go there. And then we end up sending these like little camps of like, you know what I mean? Like this is like little tribes where we're like, <laughs> okay, that tribe doesn't do it my way. I'm going to bring up the pitchforks and come to the battlefield and we're just going to like <laughs> duke it out. <laughs> I think that's important to recognize here. Like, again, I think I mentioned it earlier. LTT's audience and Steve's audience probably have a decent bit of overlap, but their videos are targeting two very different audiences and audience needs. And that's why some of the, a couple of things that Steve points out about methodology are very much need to be fixed, the LTT side. But some of them are a little bit more nitpicky. And I think that might because they're aiming at two different audiences. But the goal should always be to have truthful, real data and present it as truthfully as possible. I mean, it, And to do it right. I read That Billet Lab thing really bums me out, man. <laughs> that thing in particular bums me out in that report. But as far as the, uh, the process stuff goes, man, I would just, just own it, say we're going to fix it, come back better. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or look at it, try to, to understand it, take a step back. And be like, okay, well, this is this is what's going on, and it's something that we either feel needs to be addressed or, or doesn't, and then state state why, and there can be disagreements around that as well. But at least 
at least stepping back and looking at it, which can be hard, especially in the moment for, for damn sure. Especially if it's like, oh man, if, I know when I, when I make a mess up, I'm just like, ah, oh, dang, that sucks. Sometimes it's hard to just be like, oh, okay. I, I made the mess up. How, how would I fix that before? I mean, I, I did that in a, a recent, uh, ROG ally. The, the testing number was wrong. And so my conclusion was, was kind of off in a certain way. And I was like, okay, how, how am I going to address this in the next video? And, and just kind of kind of talk about it and, and own it and you know everyone makes mistakes for sure i think it's just about how how you handle that um but speaking of real quick oh sorry go ahead no 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 no. go ahead i was just gonna say speaking of i do think this also highlights some problems with the actual platforms we have available to us as tech journalists too right because and it's time like, constraints and yeah things like that too well not even just time constraints but specifically the platforms right so on the on the written side on pcroll.com we have a, a cms a content management system right and that that's a whole different way of handling content than on the youtube side on the written word side you can go in at any time and issue your corrections, update it with editor's notes, like correcting things. And there are different ways you can approach it, right? Like some outlets will do a strike through so you can see the original text. So that way it's there's a preserved record of it, so on and so forth. There aren't tools for that on the YouTube side. It's very awkward. Like I think when I was the biggest thing that I took away from watching Steve's video was just how how limited YouTube is for this kind of thing, right? Where you can't issue corrections easily, like the text correction things that kind of a problem because a lot of people aren't always watching, they're listening. So they're not going to even going to get your update. Uh, most outlets or sorry, most channels cannot like replace in kind, right? You have to either take down the video entirely, which kills yeah. your, <laughs> right? Your analytics get like murdered because you can't, you have to take the whole video down and like repost a whole new one, which makes, which puts a, a channel in an awkward bind because, you know, they're, they, to survive, you need eyeballs, right? So it's just a really imperfect system. And I, I wish some of the energy that's being expended on this topic was devoted more towards trying to push these companies that we're relying on to, to provide better, you know, tools for the very content creators that they want to be on their platforms. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Def- definitely on, on that. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, everyone's <laughs> struggled with, with that kind of thing uh, for sure. I mean, it, but that is the thing that, that Steve had kind of pointed out is that Linus is in a, a particular situation where he actually can and has replaced videos uh, on platform. So n- not everyone has that, that benefit, um, but once again, I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that obvi- obviously there's the LTT labs that are getting spun up. And, and if they're they're going to make a really strong push towards accurate, reliable data, then you need to be able to back that up. And and yes, mistakes will happen no matter what, but also it's it's how you address those mistakes and, and kind of move on and, and adapt, which actually, uh, like, I feel like, I feel like if both... Steve and Gamers Nexus and Linus and his team over at, at LTT would both benefit from working together to figuring that out. Uh, I mean, obviously, once again, they're they're uh, they're their own people and they can handle it their own ways. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, their competition is like, mm, I mean, not necessarily. It's not like you know one's going to knock the other one out of place and and somebody's out of a job. Like I actually believe that they can both be there. They can both test in different ways and they both can actually work together for for a, the better good of more testing because i feel like more testing needs to happen uh so i mean i i i said this to steve uh you know and, and i don't i don't have any direct line to linus or, or any of his team team members but any way we can help 
in the the testing process, the the methodology stuff of it. You know, I, I can't speak for Gordon, but I, I'm sure he would he'd be willing to to kind of help out too in some way because I do I do believe that if we all work together, we all bring each other up uh, in that kind of way. You know, maybe that's just my own <laughs> you know pie in the sky kind of thinking, but like I I I look to I look to people like Gordon, you know, the the people that are on, on our team, people like Steve, Hardware and Box, all the people who are doing the the really deep testing. To look and and at least for me when I do my testing, understand okay why why did they do that? How can I make my testing better, more accurate, all that kind of stuff? So, like working all together to to do that is definitely in in everybody's interest. Uh, so hopefully hopefully that can help. Um, uh, Leslie Lie over in chat says Adam is always the me, uh, mediator of peace. <laughs> Noble multiple peace prize, uh, you know, nominee. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I I just I I feel like I feel like I love working together as a team, and even though somebody else might be working on a separate team, I don't see them as competition. But that's yeah. just me. Uh, We're all friendly for the most part behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the love the caveat there. <laughs> I'm a jerk sometimes, so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Brad, maybe if you can expand a little bit. At least on, I talked about Gotten Gordon's methodology and testing and stuff like that. Is, is there anything else you want to say about how we handle on the PC world side, uh, methodology, testing, best practices, you know, journalistic integrity, all that kind of stuff? I know I threw a lot at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a big conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, we don't publish if something could be wrong. We hold up publishes publication stuff. We have uh, something that I was going to publish on Monday that something popped up at the last minute. And so we said, hey, you know, let's get in contact with the company, figure it out. If it's if they want to send us another one, if it's, you know, an ongoing issue, maybe it's just because you do get bad review samples sometimes. Uh, and that looked to largely be the case here. Uh so one, that's the most important part to me. What we publish is as true and accurate and truthful as we can make it. That's that's the guiding principle. Uh, as far as methodologies and methodologies and whatnot are concerned, uh, we're actually undergoing a review methodology and whatnot process on a big big scale. But in general, it's funny we used to actually have big PC world, Mac world labs when I started here and they would run all the testing and give their data to the writers, like dedicated writers, spaces, right? dedicated people to run, yeah. run the labs for like, like <laughs> yeah. what it sounds like LTT is trying to make, but probably at a smaller scale, but, uh, small scale um, for us. <laughs> yeah. We were small yeah, scale. Yeah. But, uh, and it was awesome. Those guys were great. They were very knowledgeable. We shut it down long time ago it wasn't we i was just a i was not executive editor at that point uh but obviously part of the reason is you know the print magazine shut down you know you know money's part of it but it was part of it was also a dedicated decision to have the people who are writing talking about this be truly hands-on about what they're covering so here at pc world like there's a reason i'm the one who mostly writes about graphics cards like mike mike Ryder covers news and stuff like that but when it comes to graphics card reviews that's me 
And we're all PC gamers or gamers in general, knowledgeable about this stuff. So we can bounce things off of each other. Uh, Gordon does all the CPU reviews, doesn't have a lab hand stuff off to him because that way when he sees the stuff happen, it's in real time. Elena covers computer speakers, password managers, all kinds of stuff like that. She helps on CPU reviews. So we're just big X believers and having true experts work on the topics they're covering and becoming and being experts about them. And the methodologies depend obviously product to product to review a password manager, much different from a graphics card. But the underlying idea behind every benchmark that we do is we're trying to paint as much of a broad, realistic, fair picture as you can. The, the games, the engines, the upscaling capabilities, you know, even the genres all factor into the games that I put in my graphic card tench beds. Because, yeah, some games do skew better towards AMD, some skew better towards NVIDIA, sometimes greatly so. And those should be included in there, but you got to make sure that you're kind of keeping it balanced out and level across the whole thing. And that's just kind of the ethos that we have behind this stuff. <laughs> Can we that's actually... Kind of rambly. I hope that makes sense. I mean, there's so much <laughs> to talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> Can we actually dig in just a little bit? Because I feel like... Um... This is a thing that comes up a lot where people specifically have very strong feelings being not being part of the day to day work. They have very strong feelings about whether or not you talk to a company or not. Right. Because there are some people who will see it as a matter of courtesy to kind of understand the social aspect of it. Some people will see it as a, you know, far and other extreme where they're like, oh, you're in cahoots with each other, right? Like you're, you're, you're giving them every possible possibility to cover up something, right? So I feel like us having a, maybe even a, just a brief conversation about that would be helpful for context, at least. Um, because I think it's really important to, for people to understand, right? Where it's like, from at least I can only speak for myself. I think this is part of the organization, organization overall, because this is where I work. So I'm at a place that aren't that is in alignment with my values. And my personal value is that I, I want to be as fair as possible. Right. Like I want to say that that all things considered, like this is as as fair a take I can make given the the, the information I have in front of me. So if I have a unit that's acting weird, right? And because I have hands-on, and this is why I think Brad's point about having hands-on experience is important because the the lab was amazing. I've worked kind of in environments like that before briefly, but the one issue with it is that there can be a disconnect between the writer and the tester because there's just, when you have a certain experience with testing things, you'll just you get that spidey sense that something's off, right? Whereas if you're not quite as entrenched in the day-to-day of it, sometimes someone will hand you data and you're like, okay, like, let me, let me write up an opinion based on this information. And you might miss something that if you're in the trenches, you're like, okay, wait a second. Actually, I, I need to go back and double check that while you're in the middle of writing up the review. Right. And so, um, so you're in the middle of this, you have this experience and you're like, well, okay, like this doesn't line up with what I know that this kind of product normally does. I, I'm going to actually go and talk to the manufacturer to see if maybe it's a bad review sample. Let's just, just to give them a fair shake, I'm going to ask for a second one. And if it's the same thing, then you know what? That's just how the product is. And if it's different, I'm not going to cover up the fact that I had a bad first one. I'm going to mention that in my write-up. The first unit I got had these weird, whatever that weirdness is, had these weird things that happened. You know, we got a second one. The manufacturer is saying that 
they say that that's an engineering sample issue or that is an early production issue or they don't know what the heck happened. And now you as a consumer, a very smart, capable for deciding things for yourself consumer can go, hmm, you know what? Like based on the fact where they said like, we don't know what happened. I don't know if I want to buy that product because that makes me as someone who's going to shell out my money uncomfortable. Somebody else may have a different decision, right? But it's my job to put that that information as a tool into your hands. That's how I feel about it. Also, it tells you how well a manufacturer deals with these kinds of things, right? Like if I basically write in my review, the manufacturer stopped talking to me. I, I don't know what happened. Like I asked for a very basic thing. That is also information that's useful for you to know. So I, I think for people who are inclined to naturally distrust any communication between reviewers and companies to to go into it with I, my personal advice is to go into it with a little more nuance right like go in there and like understand the context of like how how the outlet how the youtuber how the organization is interacting with the vendor and i don't know if that conversation comes up enough internet discourse for mm-hmm. for my preference <clears throat> well and to, to add on that like a this actually got brought up with the rgl i think um i remember the the review unit i got had buttons that were sticking and there was discussion, actually, it was, Steve even uh, mentioned it on, uh, I think it was on Twitter or something like that, uh, because uh, Adam from Epos Fox had mentioned it on Twitter. So we, we got into to kind of some discussion around that, that, uh, hey, is this a, a hardware defect? I, I had reached out to Asus, and I, I had seen other articles about people who would reach out to Asus kind of concerning that. They, they had said, hey, this is something we've seen in the pre-production samples, that that will not be the case in... In actual production samples, I did go buy one at at launch uh, to double check the you know at least one right, and I, I didn't have that problem with that one. So like for for me once again I you know I, I keep coming back to Gordon because I've I've learned so much from him and I'm very thankful for that. But once again, it's 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 reaching out to as many avenues as possible, getting as much information as possible, and then putting that information out there for me. Like I'm, I'm very much a believer of yeah. Okay, you, you get the the companies, uh, what they're saying. You get what other reviewers are saying. You get what I'm I'm saying. Maybe I'll come into a conclusion or not, or just put the information out there and be like, hey, you know what? You put your own big boy pants on and, and make your own conclusion based off of all the information I'm giving you. But I, I definitely believe that the more information, the better. And working with these companies, I actually over on Discord. I mean, this is kind of another side part of it. Was that review samples? Right? We get. A lot of times early review samples from a company uh, and then it's under embargo. Obviously, it's beneficial for, for them, is beneficial for us. And a lot of people feel like, well, that's that's not a, a good relationship to have because then do, do you start to rely on the, the company to get the sample ahead of time so that you have day one publishing stuff rather than just buying the, the sample yourself? That's a whole nother discussion to get into. But once again, I, I feel like if the, the more information you have from all sides... And then just kind of, you know, being able to, to present it openly uh, yeah. benefits. So, Brett, yeah. Brett how, how do you feel about the whole relationship between having pre-launch pre, uh, uh, samples, you know, working with companies directly to get a, a launch unit or, uh, I'm sorry, a pre-release unit? I think it's tremendously valuable, uh, not for PC World necessarily or whoever, uh, but for people who are actually buying the things. Because uh, when these things say the next GPU hits the street tomorrow, uh, if nobody had any review samples, if all these people haven't been testing it forever, 
you would just have to take the company's charts words on it about if you want to, is it worth going to line up? Is it worth going to buy this without knowing how it performs outside from, you know, those NVIDIA bar charts that everyone kind of always dumps on for good reason because they rely heavily on DLSS3? That would be the only information out if review things didn't exist, pre-existing things. And I do also like to see follow-up stuff. I'm glad that there are other channels who do go out there and buy their own stuff and do stuff with retail samples. Uh, but I think it's tremendously valuable for consumers because some of these things are thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars at the very least, even if you're buying a core i5 and it would stink if you have no idea whether that's good or not on the day it goes on sale. (laughs) So anyway, uh, once again, there's, there's so much to get into. Uh, I I feel like we, we, we will have further discussions on this channel. Uh, we've already had, uh, you know, ethical benchmark discussions uh, with with people like Dr. Ian Cutris, Steve Orver, Gamers Nexus. I, I want to have more of these. Uh, uh, we actually had a, a good chat at uh, LTX uh, with uh, Paul, Paul's Hardware, and Jared from, I'm sorry, not Jared, um, Craft Computing, Jeff over at Craft Computing about benchmarking and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like the, the more discussions that are out there, the better. And while I, I might disagree with some of the way Steve uh, is a- approaching it, at least have starting to have those conversations is is the goal that I I I believe he's trying to have, uh, and and I hope people over at Linus are willing to meet him and have those discussions as well, uh, if not if not physically at least <laughs> within I, their, within their own I, teams. But I would be hesitant if I was in LTT shoes to meet with Steve and have that discussion, but I would hope that. They honestly listen to it and reflect on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, before we, before yeah. we move on, I just want to insert just one little like asterisk remark, which is uh, if anyone is just listening to that last part of our conversation where you know we talked about the review units in advance and noticed that we didn't cover the most hot button part of it, which is you know like the the perceived uh, reliance or like indirect pressure to review a a product favorably. Um, That is a huge conversation. So I want everyone who's listening to us to be aware that we are all very aware of that aspect of it. We are not purposely sidestepping it because we're afraid to touch it or we're tainted and we just never want to talk about it. It's that it's a separate, really big separate conversation. And hopefully we do have an opportunity at some point to discuss it soon. But we have spent at least twenty to twenty-five minutes on this topic, so yeah. I think that's why that's why Adam is moving us along. But we know it's there. We're not trying to avoid it. We've we've had talks about this offline. Like it's it is a perennial question in the industry. So yeah, just let me make once, that clear. Once you reach a certain size or stature, uh, it's really not a thing. I would I would say like AMD, Intel, Nvidia, all of them send us stuff. All of them send. Paul stuff all of them and you don't keep these and sell these and profit off them so if people are following correct journalistic practices it's it's not something to worry about at large enough or notable enough publications at least channels yeah so this is a big conversation about how it affects smaller coming ones and things like that so definitely uh, we do have some super chats I want to catch up on. A friend of the show, Sal Rams the Third, gives $10. Thank you so much, Ted. Uh, loving the show and great points given today. Um, 
P P air. I'm going to read it as P air. I gave us a $2 said, uh, uh, thanks. Got to go take care. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Uh, and then I guess this will be the next question uh, that we can move on to a friend of the show. Coffee gave us five Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. Said, uh, when I worked in a lab, I published a scientific review. Uh, cool. I'm curious what, what it was about, but, um, if you're able to share maybe over on discord, uh, I'm interested in writing about technology. Where should I start? And actually, our, our EIC, John Phillips, was in the chat, I think. Editorial giving, director, I think. Yeah. Editorial director? I thought he was EIC. I think that's what he said in the chat. He's like, Adam. <laughs> Editorial director. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> what, are, what are titles? Whatever. Just whatever. Make up your own title. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, who, wants to, who wants to take this one first? Any, any good advice on how to start writing about technology? I don't know if you mind, Brad, me jumping in, but I, I'm going to first just parrot what John said, which is really, which is really um, true. Which is, uh, unfortunately, uh, the the general trend is that there are a lot of people who are very smart, really knowledgeable technology, but the problem is that they often can't write well, which makes it difficult because um, the unfortunate reality, uh, touching a little bit on timing and you know timelines and process and scheduling all that. Uh, it is easier to teach someone who has an aptitude for technology, but writes well, than to take a work from somebody who is super knowledgeable, but has struggles with the writing side, because it is actually a tremendous amount of work sometimes to bring that up into um, a format that is uh, approachable, accessible to a, a, a wide audience, or at least the audience even for even sometimes a more niche publication. So as John was saying, uh, things that I've always said throughout my career when mentoring people is that the biggest thing typically is to work on your writing, right? So one of the ways to do that is to blog regularly, but also seek feedback on those blog posts from people who are more inclined to be natural writers, right? So even if they don't know your topic, if they're good writers, they can tell you whether or not it's easy for them to understand what you wrote about. And my personal metric is that the better you are at writing, the easier it is for someone to understand what you're saying, regardless of the topic and even how well-versed they are on that topic, right? So, I mean... The audience you write for doesn't influence it, right? But if someone's a really good writer and they write something that's extremely technical, even though I might not understand some of the actual uh, like particulars, if it's a really good piece of writing, you should be able to at least follow the general gist of it. Like that's my rule of thumb. So that's one actually good way that I tell people to see how well they're doing with their writing. Like can someone who knows nothing about the topic actually read through that kind of get the understanding of it and not have to also slow down to like reread sections can they read it actually quickly mm. and get the the overall under like just if not the full understanding of it that's what i usually recommend to, to follow up on that how 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 would you find somebody to know that the to, to give you feedback right because it's one thing to be like oh i read this blog post here have my mom read it uh but <laughs> how do you find people who are good writers who can give you that kind of constructive uh feedback um, so I, I mean, we, like... we all know writers, but uh, the general purpose, <laughs> you know, the general person might yeah. not know writers. I mean, I think that's a thing where it, it depends, editors. right? So 
depending on your social circles, I mean, oftentimes you will know somebody who is maybe not even a formal writer, but there's just a way that they express themselves in an email or a text that you can tell that they, they just have a certain elegance or like smoothness in how they say things. They just have a way with words. Like if you're decent friends with them, you can ask them if they're open to giving some feedback maybe, right? If you don't happen to know anybody like that, then I would say, you know, like, see, it's it's a hard thing, right? Like, you don't want to bug people at the wrong moments. But I think there are definitely some people who will who are approachable, where like, sometimes they'll even openly say like, hey, like, if you are looking, are you if you're trying to break into this industry, and you're of a, a certain demographic that I'd like to help support, you know, hit me up in my DMs, like, I, I would be happy to give some feedback on your work, like, look for opportunities like that, if you don't happen to know anybody. So the, I think there are places and ways to do it. It is harder if you don't naturally have people like that in your circle. But my personal opinion is that there are a lot of people out there who are writers and they don't know it. So you don't have to formally do it for a living to be good at it. Okay. Brad, Brad any uh, advice on how, how to get into technology writing? Like uh, cover already? No, that was actually writing is important. Like, work on your writing style uh, that I've hired both staff and found plenty of freelancers. And when it comes down to brass tacks, the writing can make a difference between two different candidates. Uh, but I took a kind of unconventional route into this. So I'm just kind of thinking what I would recommend somebody do today. Uh, the way that I came up was through news. Uh, so I would, when I was freelancing back in the day, I was actually doing local copyright stuff. But the way I started getting into tech, because I always loved computers, was I started writing news, like daily short blog posts for, uh, wound up being Maximum PC, Laptop Mag, a few other sites like that. And I found that to be a very helpful way to get my name in there on those big sites and to you know, just work on the having to publish every day really makes you learn this stuff fast. So I find I found that personally helpful. Uh, But the trick is you have to somehow get your foot in that door to even get those jobs. Right. So if I was in your shoes, it was coffee saying this, right? Uh, Yes. Coffee, if I if I was in your shoes, uh, I might maybe even start a blog, Uh, you know, just couple times a week, maybe daily, depending on whatever you want to do. Just start a website of your own somewhere, just covering something about the tech industry, opinion pieces, straight news pieces, just interesting things. So you get in the habit of writing every day, being immersed in this stuff. And as you're doing that stuff over time, like treat it like a personal hobby for a bit. And then after you do that for however length of time that it takes, you'll have a portfolio there. And there are a lot of sites out there that publish tons of news. Like we, we publish a decent amount, but some sites out there publish like dozens, hundreds of pieces a day. And they are often looking for nighttime news writers, weekend news writers, stuff like that who can be reliable. And if you can go to those folks and say, hey, I've been doing this for six months. Here's a sample of my portfolio. That might get your foot in the door. If I was in your shoes right now and you're interested in working on news to using that as a springboard into more stuff, which is how my personal career went. Uh, that's what I would recommend to you. And after you do that for a bit, 
Kofi, uh, coffee, Kofi is spelled Kofi. So, uh, I always think Kofi, but, uh, if you do that for a bit, uh, I'm not in discord very often, but Adam, give you my email and I'll look over your stuff for you. Nice. Well, that's very uh, hopeful. Nice. Uh, yeah. sweet. Um, let's get to a couple more questions. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, yeah. Uh, Liquidar has a funny one. Friend of the show, Liquidar has a funny one. Uh, if the Outrage Pony was one of the four horsemen of the tech apocalypse, what would the he other three so. horsemen be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I gotta look up what one. the official four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse are so we can rip off this. Uh, hold, oh boy, what is it? War? No. Yeah. yeah. Pestilence. Um. Crap. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I played so much Dark Suckers and I'm still on a complete break. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, war, death, plague. So uh, Wikipedia has it as death, famine, war, and conquest. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait. So, so which one is the outrage pony then? <laughs> I mean, war. I think the ponies. I think the yeah. ponies are just the 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 what the horsemen are riding right so we have to name the, their their jockeys uh i don't know because they said if, if the outrage pony was one of the four horsemen of the tech apocalypse what would the other three horsemen be so that's outrage so the okay. outrage is that is that outrage. one right okay so that's outrage. outrage so now we have to figure out what the other ones are uh cons- somebody in chat just said disillusion <laughs> disillusionment i actually think is not a bad uh, one that's pretty good Toilet paper launch. It's pretty close. Toilet to, paper launch pony. Pretty, co- pretty close to outrage, though. <laughs> mm. uh, brand loyalty. I don't know. If that's, <laughs> that's funny. I guess we can translate that to tribalism. <laughs> Fear, uncertainty, and disinformation. <laughs> Over exaggeration. There we go. That's that's another one. Uh, <laughs> Over exaggeration. Uh, anyway. Uh, thank you liquidar that was funny i'll uh yeah i'll have to to think more about that one oh some people in the oh some people said um cinetar which is a a quarter horse a one-third pc hardware enthusiast and 60 percent pc hardware hater (laughs) cinetar (laughs) love hate relationship Oh, Onikaze is back with more. The disillusionment horse, the shortage stallion, and the vaporware Appalooza. <laughs> I love it. Wow. <laughs> I like that. That's oh, stagnation. Cool. There's one in there. Stagnation. Um, so we're going to have more uh, merch coming up, Adam? <laughs> more designs? I, I guess. Uh, the disillusionment <laughs> pony uh, is... <laughs> I don't know how to make that look different than the average pony. Uh, but anyway uh yeah uh any more questions that that i have missed uh willis have you have you pulled aside any questions no that you saw oh oh we did get a, a 20 dollars super chat from mike quinton thank you so much uh always appreciate it um all right i, I might have lost the thread so i'm not quite sure what this is in reference to but like reviews that emphasize quote who is this for and quote gamers versus techies versus developers versus general public as many kids overspend on question mark and don't hear all the other stuff that it goes with it. Um, yep. Once again, I'm, I'm yeah. Don't, don't remember the context of, of maybe when you put that in, I, but I, I, I actually, guess, I, go ahead. So I was going to say, I, my guess is that I think maybe Mike is saying that 
he likes reviews that make that clear. Mm. Yeah, actually, I mean, that that is definitely something that I know Gordon and I have had plenty of, of chats with, for sure. And and I, I feel like it was a, a discussion around Craft Computing's video as well. It's like, hey, are you reviewing the CPU for for gamers? Are you, you know, reviewing it in, in a vacuum and not, not considering the other price points? Uh, you know, are you, are you reviewing it for the general well-roundedness, for content creators, all that kind of stuff? There's definitely, I feel like there's there needs to be more kind of 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 that kind of thing um but yeah i i agree agree with mike what he's saying mike quentin thank you for that twenty dollars mike uh i try to end every review saying hey if you like x y or z you'll love this part it's made for you uh if you're a b or c like you should probably look elsewhere here's a couple other suggestions like i think it's always a good thing to try to wrap it all up and put a summary in if you're possible like even with CPU reviews and stuff like that, like hey, if you're a gamer, the 7800X3D, you know, kicks buttons and takes names. But if you're working on Excel spreadsheets and making videos, you probably want to look up the stack or something like that. Like I, I find that helpful context throughout any review that we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least for videos, and it's not just review videos, but for for all videos that. I- I always try to start with the very basic goal in mind. Who is this video for? What are we trying to do in this video? I mean, sometimes it's just pure entertainment, uh, but sometimes, especially if it's more of a pointed kind of thing, I try to really keep in mind who 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 is this piece for, um, you know, and who who can either benefit or be entertained by it or or whatnot. So, yeah, I'm always constantly thinking about that kind of stuff. So. Uh yeah, well I, f- I feel like I'm I'm all talked out here and ready for some lunch. Cracking uh, uh, oh. over on Discord actually made a <laughs> posted a is it an art of the one of the ponies. Oh, potential ponies. Was it an AI art? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, already. Oh wow, amazing. That, so, is, that this, is a sad pony. Speak, yeah. Oh no, I don't oh, know which gosh, pony is that. Is, is that the d- oh disillusionment pony? Oh no, I think that's like the maybe like the. Uh, shortages or <laughs> toilet paper launch pony oh my gosh that poor thing pony. needs to eat go for our discord <laughs> check it out oh man <laughs> that's sad <laughs> um anyway thank you everybody for hanging out uh lots of good stuff to talk about this week uh oh, G- oh you know what? gpus and journalism ethics and yeah <laughs> oh and, and I, I totally meant to say this uh at the beginning of the the Steve discussion, I did talk to about Steve, uh, talk to Steve about coming on. Uh, he said the next couple of weeks are, are are busy, but we, we will try to schedule a time for him to come on uh, the podcast to talk about this or, or or whatever kind of stuff. So there's definitely more to be had uh, on that. So anyway, wait. Thanks, thanks for hanging out. Um, thank you to oh, I'm, uh, what is the and uh, check back next week for your talk <laughs> of tech stuff. Uh, yeah tech talk uh nope that's not us uh (laughs) for your your dose of tech talk uh please subscribe to the audio version of the podcast over on uh what is it spotify um not stitcher stitcher's dead apple all all the cool spots that pocket cast now has reviews uh every time you do a, a new uh, pony gets introduced to the the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, there you go. Four horsemen and friends. Yeah, four horsemen and friends. Um, yeah, I don't remember what the other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll be back next week 
another episode. Uh, thank you to to the co-hostess with the mostest, uh, Brad Choco Taco. Is that what Paul called you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Choco Taco Camacho. Taco <laughs> Taco Camacho. <laughs> Adios, we need to make that shirt. That'd be a good shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Elena Yee. Thank you for uh, for stopping by. We're, we're going to see you in person soon. That's right. For something fun. Bye. Bye. Uh, and thank you to uh, Willis for, for controlling the verticals and horizontals. Get us out of here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Lois Law earlier in the chat says, uh, new PC titles for everyone. And I am going to be, I'll give myself a new title, Willis Live, that video guy. That guy. <laughs> that guy. I'll <laughs> uh, we'll catch everyone later. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>